Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. All right, welcome back. I'm glad that you decided to come back and learn some more tools. So, so far we've covered um, cognitive distortions, we've covered the very start of DBT, and we left off with talking about validation. So I want to refresh you on validation. I hope that you have your notebook and your pen to jot down some notes so that you can practice validation. So with that, let's just jump right into validation. What is validation? This is telling someone that what they feel, think, and believe is, remember, real, logical, relatable, understandable, and self-validation is when you're able to quietly reassure yourself. So in DBT, we are learning to validate others because it helps our relationships to get better and it can calm down and de-escalate situations so that we can problem solve. Uh, We learn self-validation because it quiets down the defensive and fearful emotions so that we can problem solve and it allows us to let go of the pain and exhaustion of constantly self-justifying and self-doubting. Okay, so that's our refresher. So I want to just recap what it means to validate some good strategies for validating other people and yourself. Number one, you want to focus on the inherent worth of the person, whether it is yourself or somebody else. We are all worthy of love, respect, the American dream, um, just because we're alive. We're worthy of being respected and treated like a human being, right? So remind yourself that you and the other people you're dealing with have an inherent value as a human being. Number two, observe. Listen carefully to what is said with words, expression, and body. Listen intently and be in the moment. Remember, no distractions. Describe in a non-judgmental manner the facts of the situation. Rather than saying, you're a slob and you left your clothes all over the floor, you might say, well, there's a mess on the floor here, so we need to deal with it. Um, State the unstated. I remember we're recapping. Note the presence of your feelings, beliefs, or the other person's feelings and beliefs that have not been voiced. You might say, you seem angry but also hurt by what was said to you. 
or you might say, I can tell that you're feeling judged right now. Am I right? Um, make sure that you're validating them. Stating the unstated. Because nobody's going to walk up to you and say, I feel insecure. <laughs> so it's important to be able to see that in other people. See, see what they're feeling. Do they look, you know, do they seem like they're hurt? Remember underneath anger there is shame or embarrassment. There is pain or there is fear. So when somebody's angry, there's always a primary emotion underneath. If you're validating yourself, you need to identify your primary emotions. If anger is obvious, explore those feelings of, of shame, pain, disappointment, fear that are under the anger in yourself. Find out what is true and valid about the experience. And if you're validating yourself, maybe you might realize that the thoughts you're having are kind of irrational. But you know, when we have an anxiety attack, sometimes our thoughts are pretty irrational, right? But they exist and they are very powerful in the moment. Okay. So since the last podcast covered validation, um, and we just did a nice recap, I would like to go ahead and give you a quick quiz so that you can test your understanding of validation. Um, this quiz will have, let's just do three questions. We'll make it not take so long so that we can move forward, okay? So, number one, a friend has just thrown a chair down the hallway because a peer refused to let them use the phone. They've received a major infraction and they're very angry. They are talking to you about it. A. You listen and nod. B. You ignore them because you don't want to give them attention for nasty behavior. C. You state, you were very frustrated, weren't you? Or D. You say, oh, you're right. She never lets anybody use the phone. So which of those sentences would be a validating statement? A. You listen nodding. B. You ignore them because you don't want to get give them attention for acting like a fool. C. You state that you state to them, you were really frustrated, weren't you? If your answer was C, you're correct. Okay. Number two. A peer is having a lot of symptoms lately and he's getting into trouble with staff and he's breaking rules. He asks you to lie for him so he can stay out of further trouble. So which sentence would be validating? A. You say, you're really worried about being in trouble and I can understand that, but I can't lie and also get into trouble. Let's look for another solution. Or B, you immediately run and tell staff on him. Or C, you try to avoid him. When he approaches you, you say, Ooh, I can't talk right now. I have laundry to do. I have other things I have to work on. Go away. Or D, you say, You want me to tell staff that you were with me and that you didn't do what they said you did? 
So which sentence is just validating, simply validating this person? He's gotten into trouble. He asked you to lie for him so he doesn't get in more trouble. And you're just going to validate him. You say, you're really worried about being in trouble. And I can understand that, but I can't lie and get in trouble too. Let's find another solution. That's one way to validate And another way to simply validate without troubleshooting could be, you want me to tell staff that you were with me and that you didn't do what they said you did. That would be the more validating statement. So if you answered D, you're correct. Okay, so let's go to number three. You are feeling a lot of irritation and you don't know why. You snap at a family member who has done nothing wrong. Which sentence would be validating? A. You tell yourself, I'm always irritable when people drive me away. Or B. You force yourself to behave more patiently with others than you actually feel for the rest of the day. C. You talk to a friend and tell them, I just snapped at someone and I don't know why. I'm irritable and confused. Or D, you go take a Xanax. (laughs) So which of those sentences is validating yourself? A, you tell yourself, I'm always irritable and I drive people away. B, You force yourself to behave more patiently with others than you actually feel for the rest of the day. C, you talk to a friend and say, I just snapped at someone and I don't know why. I'm irritable and confused. Or D, go take drugs. (laughs) So if you answered C, that you tell somebody, I just snapped at someone and I don't know why. I'm irritable and confused. That would be validating yourself, um, taking accountability as well. And you could also you could also tell yourself, I'm I'm always irritable and I drive people away. Um, but take out the word always, and take out the drive people away. You could just say to yourself, I'm very irritable and that's okay. So, how did you do with validating? If you have any questions, I would love to hear them in the comments. And here we go. We're moving on to state of mind. So state of mind, we have reasonable mind. We have emotional mind. And in the center, we have wise mind, which is a combination of the two. The emotional mind You'll be able to tell when you're running on straight emotional mind or when somebody else is because they will be acting like a toddler. (laughs) They will be angry, very quick, very short fuse, very quick to blow up, uh, throw tantrums, not, not, not have the ability to sit down and talk things through. Running on id in terms of id, ego, and superego. The id is the toddler in us. You know, I see it, I want it, it's mine. Um, I want that, therefore it must happen. 
Um, a good example of emotional mind is if I invite you out to coffee, I think we've gone through this already and you don't show up and I call and I flip out on you and I tell you I hate you and I never want to see you again. Um, that's emotional mind. There's no logic. So reasonable mind is the logical mind, which would say, uh, maybe something came up for this person. So they didn't show up to have coffee with me. That's cool. Life happens. I'll just go home. Um, in both of those, you really are not going to get your needs met and you're really not going to, um, validate yourself by letting people know, Hey, I didn't like that. Um, so it's important to get into wise mind where you can be reasonable, also express emotion and do it in such a way that your needs will get met, that your boundaries will be respected and that you don't damage relationships. So if I were in wise mind, I would assume something came up. I would call and leave you a voicemail. I would let you know I was bummed out that you didn't show and I would say, you know, perhaps in the future we could try this again. Bye. And that would be it. Um, so wise mind is the centered, the grounded, the mindful part of you. Core mindfulness skills. We want to look at, to start with, we want to look at the what skills. How to take hold of your own mind. First you observe you need to be curious about what you feel. Notice how you feel without trying to make feelings stronger, weaker. Don't try to push feelings away. Don't try to make feelings linger on and on by clinging to them. Um, see how long your feelings last and if they change. So this is where journaling will really come in handy for you. Um, you want to really examine your feelings and write them down every day. Even if the only thing you write on the page is, I feel angry, that's okay. That's okay. It's a good start. Eventually, you'll start to put more detail in there and clarify a little more why you're angry, how long you feel angry, um, if, if the anger fades and when does it fade? Does it last a whole day? Does it last an hour? What kind of things cause you to feel angry? Is it um, somebody seemingly disrespecting you? Is it somebody not giving you what you want? Is it somebody asking you a question? Um, what is it that brings it on? So journaling really is effective for this and it, it will help you to identify your triggers and eventually extinguish them. Um, another thing to think about is what comes through your senses. What comes through touch, smell, sight, sound, and taste. It's important to be like a nonstick pan and let things slide off your body and off your emotions. Don't hold on to anything. And using your senses helps you to ground yourself in the moment. So you would look for your favorite color, for example. My favorite color is green, so I would look around this room and try to find green. Where's green? I see one green item there. The curtain is green, that's two green items. I have a, a big 
moss agate crystal that's three green items and I would just go around the room and continue to count until I was sick of doing that then I would take a nice deep cleansing breath and what do I smell in the air I smell sandalwood I smell rose oil it smells really good in this room um, I would look around and then I would close my eyes Take a deep breath again. What do I hear? Maybe in the background you can hear the parakeets chirping. I can hear the gentle wisp of the ceiling fan. I can hear my own voice. (laughs) And taste. Um, What does, what is a taste? You you could put something in your mouth. You could put a tic-tac, a piece of gum, a little chocolate-covered raisin, and just let it dissolve and focus on how it tastes and the texture and everything. These things, while you're doing these things, touch, smell, sight, sound, and taste, you're giving your brain a break from whatever thoughts you were focused on prior to engaging in this activity. So remember, touch. What does it feel? What do you feel? Reach out and touch something. If I touch this desk, I feel nice oak wood. And if I touch the floor, I feel a hardwood floor. If I touch the fabric on the chair, it's very soft. If I touch my face, it feels very soft. Um, You know, use your sense of touch, your sense of smell, sense of sight and sound and taste to keep yourself grounded in the moment. And another way I like to describe the nonstick pan, letting things slide off your body and off your emotions, um, be like a game of chess. It, even if you don't play chess, you can still do this. So there are the two sets of pieces who oppose and play against each other, right? And then there's the board that they play on. And if you're invested in the pieces, Oh no, there goes another pawn. Oh no, they're coming for the queen. Oh, if they get the queen, they'll get the king. Oh no, there goes the knight and the rook. What am I going to do? You're emotionally invested. You want to win, right? And it's the same for the other side. But if you if you focus on just being the board that the game is played on, the board doesn't care which side wins. The board is just there. So... Focus on being the board. Focus on being a non-stick pan. Don't hold on to any emotions too long. And don't invest too much in your emotions. Um, The next part after observe is to describe. Use your words to describe your experience. Use factual words. Call a thought a thought. Call a feeling a feeling and learn to differentiate between the two because feelings are not thoughts and thoughts are not feelings. You could say, I think I'm sad, or you could say, I feel sad. You could say, I feel threatened by, I don't know what, you might rephrase that and say, I believe I am being threatened, or I believe that is threatening, and it bothers me. 
I feel sad. I want to cry. I think I need to take a time out and go cry. Um, also, use words that everyone would agree with. Don't paint a colorful picture with words or magnify the situation with words. Try to avoid big emotional words. Um, just use basic, boring, beige words. Try not to. Try to let go of your emotions in terms of being right or about being somebody else being wrong while you're searching for the words to describe. You want to disengage from the whole blame game. That's what keeps you in a defensive state of mind, and that's what keeps you in, a, in an inflammatory stance when it comes to other people. Because you're defensive, and then when you talk to them, when you're being defensive, and you're blaming, and you're thinking who's right, who's wrong, you're pissing other people off coming at them like that. So there will not be a productive conversation. There will be resentment. There will be needs not being met. And um, there will be damage to that relationship. So let go, let go of the emotions about being right or wrong and just use the words to describe. You know, again, don't walk in and say, you're a filthy pig, you left your clothes all over the floor. You would walk in and say, Oh, I see there's a pile of clothes all over the floor. <laughs> and go from there. Don't say, you're a dirty bastard. You broke my heart. You made me cry because I saw you talking to some lady at your office and you didn't know I was there. Don't, don't start in with that. You could say, I feel really sad and scared because I saw you talking to another woman. And... I don't know who she is and leave it at that. Make it really beige. Make it really um, transparent. My dog agrees. Do you hear him? <laughs> um, okay, so after describing, we move to participating. Get lost in an activity. You remember when you were a little kid and everybody, everybody has different things they did as a child that they loved so much that they would just get lost in it. They would lose track of time. The world would get really small around them and that enjoyable activity that they were doing was all that existed. Um, I remember when I was young, I really enjoyed crouching down on the ground and playing marbles. Um, if, um, and I, I'm dating myself here, but um, I also enjoyed Chinese jump rope, and I enjoyed pretending I was an actress and I was filming a movie, and I had to sing because it was a musical, so I would get my brush and I would dress up, play dress up, and sing and do interpretive dances to different songs that I liked that were on the radio and things like that. Um, maybe, maybe your activity as a child was throwing a frisbee and playing frisbee with somebody. Maybe your activity as a child was riding horses or um, building things. Maybe you wanted to build rockets and homes and you used to build things out of rocks and sticks. Or maybe you wanted to be a baker so you made mud pies. Whatever it was, 
think back to something that you really loved to do as a child and do it again because chances are you haven't done that in years, right? So that's the first part of participate. Part two is let go of your sense of time while you're doing something. If you're doing the dishes, don't look at the clock every five minutes and think, oh, geez, it's only been five minutes. It's going to take me three hours to clean this nasty kitchen. Don't do that. Get the, get the sink full of bubbles and, and hot water. Feel. You see we're going into the senses again. Here's the touch. You feel the warm water. You see the bubbles and the little iridescent rainbows coming off the bubbles. And just immerse yourself into whatever it is that you're doing. And don't worry about time or time limits. And allow yourself to be natural in a situation. Oh, my dog really agrees with that one. <laughs> allow yourself to be natural in a situation. If something doesn't feel natural, then don't do it. And practice your skills until they become part of you. So you want to practice all of these skills of DBT until it's second nature. Because right now, it's second nature for you to think negatively and to go to that path of least resistance because we're human beings. Um, where we automatically think negatively or feel envious of somebody or, you know, um, make a bad judgment call. So it's important to get yourself out of that mindset by practicing these tools every single day. Um, so I hope that that was helpful for you. And, um, I want to go through a really quick list I have here of, um, core mindfulness how skills so we've talked about why and and where <laughs> now we're going to talk about how um, taking a non-judgmental stance in life see but do not evaluate just look at the facts focus on what it is not if it's good or bad don't focus on the terribles, the goods, the shoulds, all that stuff. Get rid of those adjectives for a while and just focus on factual information. You could say the teacup fell on the floor and broke. That would be a factual statement. Or you could say the beautiful ornate china teacup of mine that used to be my grandmother's and was passed down through the generations fell to the floor and shattered into a million pieces and I'm so devastated take all that out and just simply say the teacup fell and broke okay unglue your opinions from the facts from the who what when where and why take your opinion out of it just state the facts the teacup fell on the floor and broke that's the way to say it. If you throw your opinion in there, you could say, well, you know, had I been more careful or had he been more careful when he walked by, that probably never would have fallen down. And that's why we can't have nice things around here because 
Bigfoot lives here, you know, that's throwing in your opinion and judgment. So you want to avoid that. Just stick to the facts. Accept each moment, each event as a blanket spread out on a lawn accepts both the rain and the sun. Each leaf that falls upon it is also accepted. The lawn just lays there and accepts everything. Radical acceptance. It is what it is. Acknowledge the helpful and the wholesome, but don't judge it. Acknowledge the harmful and the unwholesome, but don't judge it. When you find yourself judging, don't judge your judging. Judgy McJudgerton. (laughs) So... You could say, um, you know, this is really helpful for me and I should, I, I need to engage in this more. Or you could say, this was not helpful for me, therefore I'll leave that alone in the future. But you don't want to say, oh, this is wonderful, I just love it, it's law. No, just say, this was helpful or this was not helpful. Um, and that's just stating a fact without all the judgment. Um, being mindful also requires that you do one thing at a time. I know a lot of people feel like I'm the best multitasker in the universe because I can worry about 75 things and I can have 10 separate different outcomes for each one of those 75 things while I evaluate my risk factors and da da da. And okay, yeah, mentally. Yeah, you can ruminate about a whole lot of things all at once. But isn't that exhausting? And is it truly beneficial? So it's important to do one thing at a time. When you're eating, eat. Don't watch TV. Don't dance around and listen to music. Um, When you're walking, walk. When you're working, work. When you're in a group or conversation, Focus your attention on the very moment you are in with another person. And do each thing with all of your attention. Don't be distracted. If, if other actions, thoughts, or feelings distract you, let go of those distractions. You know, in, a, in, in, the, other, uh, in the other episode, I talked about giving somebody your full attention, good eye contact, turn your body towards theirs, and I don't care if they're dog drags a teddy bear in the living room and starts humping it you might look at that dog humping the teddy bear and start cracking up laughing and say oh my god your dog is getting it on with a teddy bear okay cool yeah let's let's redirect your attention back to the conversation so if you do find yourself getting distracted it happens sometimes it's hard to not be but if you do find yourself distracted go right back into what you were doing and ignore the distractions. Concentrate your mind. If you find that you are doing two things at once, stop and go back to doing one thing at a time. Um, Focus on what is working for you too. Do what needs to be done in each situation in order to meet the larger goal. Stay away from thoughts of right and wrong and should and shouldn't and fair and unfair and oh my god, all that stuff. Just stay away from those kind of thoughts play by the rules ask as skillfully as you can meeting the needs of the situation you are in not the situation that you wish you were in let me read that again act as skillfully as you can meeting the needs 
of the situation you are in, not the situation that you wish you were in. Let go of vengeance, useless, unhelpful anger. Let go of righteousness that hurts you and does not work. Also, let go of those expectations because those expectations really set you up for big disappointment. So let go of the big expectations that you place on others and yourself. Okay, so hopefully today has been helpful clarifying validation a little more. Um, The next episode I will focus on being effective in interpersonal relationships. How to uh, get what you want, get your needs met, and keep a good relationship good without sabotaging it. Um, In the meantime... I want you to remember one important factor with with, uh, CBT and DBT. One important factor of switching the way that you think and the way that you behave and respond to people. One very important factor is thought stopping. Okay, so thought stopping is a way to break up your thoughts and disrupt them long enough to redirect yourself. Some people might just clap really loud. Um, You're thinking negative thoughts, they're taking over your mind, and you just kind of go and do a quick clap. And that stuns you out of that thought mode for just a second. And in that one second, you insert something else like, oh, let me find my favorite color. How many things in this room are my favorite color? And and get away from the negative thinking and smell deep breathing what do you smell in the air what do you see what do you feel around you what do you hear is there anything you can taste Um, take on that mindful moment and then journal the negative thought and close your journal and go find something to engage in and be mindful Other people um, have told me they will envision a bright red stop sign smacking them in the face. Other people have used a rubber band on their wrist and they snap it when they have a negative thought to remind themselves, uh, uh uh-oh, we need to reframe. We need to uh, be mindful here. Um, Other people say the word stop out loud (laughs) and that helps them to redirect their thoughts. So... I hope this was helpful. I hope you'll engage in thought-stopping and validating yourself and others. And I hope to to be helpful here. And (laughs) I'm running out of things to say, huh? Uh, Leave leave me a message in the comments. And also, if you you haven't had a one-on-one session with me and you would like to, you can go to www.com. Elizabeth, E-L-I-Z-A-E, oh, I'm sorry, E-L-I-Z-A-B-E-T-H, L-M-F-T, dot org, www.elizabethlmft, dot org, and you can request an appointment there. Um, All of my appointments are via Zoom or phone, 
and I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist and I can work with anybody in the state of California. If you're not in the state of California, I can work with you under my life coaching certification. Thank you for tuning in and I hope that you're enjoying your therapy tools. Until next time. Welcome back to Your Therapy Tools. Today I want to share with you some self-care tips. I hope you have your notepad and your pen ready. So self-care is a little more than bubble baths and champagne. There's a lot more to it, although bubble baths and champagne can be part of it. I'm going to go down this list that I have and just share this with you. Self-care means you're taking time to do things that you enjoy. Usually self-care is everyday activities that you find to be fun, energizing, relaxing, de-stressing. These activities can be simple like reading a book, taking a walk, or they can be big like going to Hawaii. Self-care comes on a spectrum just like everything else from small to really big and sometimes you need something really big if you're having a lot of stress. Also, the small pieces of self-care can be effective if you have a lot of stress. If you practice some sort of self-care activity every single day. So self-care, obviously it means that you're taking care of yourself, right? The same way you would take care of your kids or your spouse or a friend that you love and you saw them having um, a large amount of stress or chaos in their lives, you would help them. So you're helping yourself with self-care. This means eating regular meals, having enough sleep at night, taking care of your personal hygiene, anything that maintains good health. If you take vitamins, you make sure you take them every day. If you go to the gym and work out, you do that often. Um, making self-care a priority is not selfish. A lot of people get stuck in this guilt mode of, well, if I take time to myself and go get my nails done and go get a massage... Um, well, that's selfish because, you know, I, I could be doing something for my kids or my husband or my wife. or That's not true. It's not selfish. Engaging in self-care makes you a better mother, father, husband, wife, friend, teacher. It makes you better at your life in general if you practice good self-care. It's not selfish. There will always be other things that you need to do, but don't let these things interrupt the time that you set aside for your self-care. Your self-care needs to have the same priority and importance as all other responsibilities in your life. You need to set specific self-care goals. It's really hard to follow through with a vague goal, such as, oh, I'm going to take more time for self-care in the future. Instead, try to set a specific goal like, I'm going to take a walk for 20 minutes every, every day. Or, I'm going to go once a week 
to Starbucks and sit and read a book. Or I'm going to walk down to the park every other day and take a nice 30-minute brisk walk just to get those happy chemicals going in my brain. Um, Make sure that you do this and write it on a calendar. Set a reminder on your phone, uh, whatever you have to do to make yourself stick to that goal. Stick to it. Make self-care a habit. You know, you could eat an apple a day and you'll have health benefits from it. But if you eat an apple just one day, it won't have a lot of effect. So self-care is the same thing. You need to practice it every day somehow. Choose activities you can do often and that you will stick with. Things that you know you're going to enjoy. Um, Set boundaries. And, and I will do some podcasts on boundaries mm-hmm. as well. But you need to set some really good boundaries to protect your self-care, protect your peace of mind. Um, you don't need major obligations to say no to other people. Your self-care is a major obligation to yourself, to your joy in life, to your peace of mind. So remind yourself that your needs are just as important as everybody else's. A few minutes of self-care is better than none at all. So again, you know, set alarms, remind yourself, uh, take regular breaks, even if it's just a walk around the block for eight minutes or an uninterrupted snack. You see the commercials of moms hiding in the bathroom to eat cookies. (laughs) Hey, sometimes you got to do what you got to do. Um, stepping away from everything energizes you to be more effective when you return. Unhealthy activities do not count as self-care. If you're going to go get high or eat a giant bowl of mac and cheese or um, drink a whole bottle of Jack Daniels, this might hide your uncomfortable emotions for a moment, but they're just going to cause more problems in the long run. Hangovers, weight gain, um, a messed up brain. So don't do that. Don't, don't, don't engage in unhealthy stuff. Um, keep up with self-care even when you're feeling good too. Don't say, oh, well, life's good. I don't need to do my self-care today. Um, it keeps you in a healthy routine and it helps you to form it into a habit. So I hope this was helpful, and I look forward to hearing from you in the comments. If you would like a one-on-one session with me, my web address is www.elizabethlmft.org. Thank you for tuning in, and I hope you enjoy your therapy tools.